Welcome back. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Um, Buenos noches. Buenos noches. Buenos dias. Welcome to Good to, morning. to Be Blunt, episode three. Three, three. yeah, we're three. Third episode. Um, my name is Jody. I'm Stevie. And Mitchell's here too. Hello. Um, and this is our podcast where we talk about strange and unusual things and we um, smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. And <laughs> tell you things we find are interesting. Yeah, exactly. We do anything from true crime to paranormal, conspiracy theories, UFO, aliens, anything like that. So. Yes. And speaking of UFO, aliens, we need to recap what we did last week, which was Stevie told an amazing story about Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. And there were a couple different theories that we had. I just wanted to go over those real quick because I've been thinking about this. We're taking care of Budness. Alright. Back to Budness. <laughs> um, so, yep. Last episode did the Dateloaf Pass. Dateloaf Pass. Death Mountain. Yeah, that thing. Um, did that, recorded that. That was a really fun episode. It was a really good one. Um, since then, I've talked to a couple people about possible theories because I like to gauge interests, kind of. And my manager had a really interesting point. Um, she asked if we had ever heard of what is called The Thing. And it's a movie that I believe came out in the 1950s. It sounds like a 50s movie. Yeah. And it's basically about... Um, hold on. I'm terrible. I forgot to look up what it was. Is it about a fly? No, that was The Fly. Never mind. This is probably about a thing, if my reasoning is not fair. Um, do, do, do. Okay. American horror film. Oh, Mitchell has it! Mitchell's just doing his job! Yes. Oh, it was 1982. First off. Oh, okay, it so... It was in Antarctica. Yeah, a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates and then imitates other organisms. So it's, like, slowly... You know, oh one of the people were involved, but it's in Good job, Mitchell. something like that. And she was like, I know it's based on a book. You should see when the book came out. And it so happened that the book came out in like 1959, which I think was the same year that all of that stuff happened. Oh, okay. So then she was like, you need to look in that author's history and see if they were ever a part of mm. the military. Because I believe that he was from Russia, too. Okay. So she was like, I wonder if that has any sort of connections, which I thought was really interesting. So interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love that she thinks that way. That's yeah. really cool. I couldn't find his history to see whether or not he was a part of the military. The so KGB. I couldn't, <laughs> it wasn't I couldn't on the book sleeve. <laughs> but it was like, what if that was inspired by yeah. that event in some way or another? Yeah. Not to say it was, you know, that deep that it went all the way up to the top, but... <laughs> enough to where he could be inspired by to write the book about it. Is this the author? He's American. Is he? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Anyway. 1951, The Thing from Another World was the book, I think. No, 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 no. There were three films. Yeah. It was a book that. that has been done three times. Okay, okay. So the book was written in 1938. Got it. Okay. Interesting. 
I have the copies was released in the 50s. I'm not sure. I think the very first movie was 51. Oh, yeah. The first adaptation. The second one was in the 80s. That's what I'm talking about. Is that the the first first adaptation? Yeah, the adaptation. Interesting. So she thought of that, and we were trying to look up more on it, but I sadly did not get very far. Thank you, Mitchell, for looking that up. Gosh, Mitchell's on that grind. He is. Capital O, capital T, capital G on that grind. Dang, okay, but my theory with your story was that Big Feet are aliens, and Russia tried to cover it up. I think that's where I ended up. Stevie's theory was that testing was going on nearby, and Bigfoot and aliens are separate. Aliens are not involved in the story, right, in your version? Yeah, aliens are involved in the story. And the testing frightened the Bigfoot, Mm -hmm. who attacked, and then the government tried to cover up the, the attack. Yep. Okay. Okay, Mitchell, what's your theory? Do you dabble? some genetic modification, you know. So you think that Bigfoot was, like, a specimen created by the government and got out? That's ultra-advanced for the 1950s, though. I mean... Well, think about, like, wasn't Hitler working on some war creature, too? Like, he was breeding shit? Am I losing my mind? That's a conspiracy theory. (laughs) He was, like, breeding a super... Not, not, I'm not talking about the Aryan race, like, superhumans, but maybe this is a science fiction movie somewhere where, like, he was trying to breed, like, a specific type of dog or, like, beast, whatever, maybe, like, Bigfoot was the Soviet Union's, like, (laughs) do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, battle warrior, you know, like, like a war dog. Never mind. Anyway. Damn. (laughs) Damn, damn. Heck I missed you guys. How are you guys, listeners? What's going on in your life? No? Not going that route? Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Just trying to be inclusive. Oh my god. Should I tell you my story? Should we just get into it? I don't have anything else to say that's like funny. You don't have any other budness? <laughs> uh, and what other... Um, oh, the only other like weed-related news I have is... This isn't even like weed-related. It's just like smoking-related. Is that they changed the laws in Ohio, which is the state where we live, that you can't purchase any tobacco or tobacco-related products unless you're 21. Yeah. And I'm 20. And sometimes when I'm high, I crave cigarettes, which I know is really bad. And I shouldn't, because I've never smoked a cigarette before. But I was, like, toying with the idea of getting a pack just to, like, have. I don't know why. I'm just curious, and I wanted to try it. And then they fucking did that. And they had... This was interesting... Um, this is not so much about me wanting to smoke, but about how the law works. They, the grandfather clause. Do you know what that is? Yes. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. I think it's interesting. They vetoed that. Did you know you could veto a grandfather clause? No. Yeah. The, I think it was the governor of Ohio. So or, if or was you were senator, I can't remember. legal before they changed the law, they vetoed it that you're still not covered under it? Yeah. So, for the listeners who don't get it, grandfather law would be if I'm 19 now, which I'm not, I'm 20, but if I were 19, originally I'd be, well, 20 would work too, I'm using 19. I'm 20 now, they changed the law to 21, but because the law used to be 18, the people who were, had turned 18 before they changed the law would still be able to purchase, like, they wouldn't be unaffected, it would be, it's called being grandfathered in, you'd still be able to do that thing. That you're not technically of age yeah. for, but you were at one point because the law changed, and they vetoed that like immediately after he signed the law that like the line is 21 for tobacco. So now I'm kind of like, well, how am I gonna get my lighters? Am I still allowed to get lighters? I'm afraid to purchase a lighter. 
Oh. Are they going to card me at, like, a gas station? Because they card me at gas stations to get lighters. Do they really? Yeah. So I'm going to have to keep, like, stealing them. (laughs) I'll buy you lighters. I got you. Uh, (laughs) Don't do dogs, kids. That's some buddness that I thought was interesting. I'm glad they raised the law. Like, the age yeah, for like that. Yeah, generally, like it's a good thing. It's I'm just really like, glad oh, they did that. kind of annoying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The popularity with jewels has just skyrocketed, it's dude. It's really insane. gross. There's a 12-year-old I worked with at camp. She was a volunteer there. And she has this little, like, crossbody bag that she keeps on her. She's, like, from a rich, rich family. Like, it was a Louis Vuitton bag that she always wore with her at the summer camp. Got it. So that's the type of girl. She's 12. She looks like she's 19. The way she's, like, styled and behaves and her makeup and everything. And she always has this little bag on her. And one day I saw it inside of it. It was literally her jewel, the charger, and a bunch of different pods of, like, different flavors and stuff. And she kept that on her. Like, always. Even when she was chasing a kid. It was like, you know, I keep that (laughs) thing on me. I feel like 12 is really young. 12! Those, those still have nicotine in them, don't they? Yeah. 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 That's why it's such a huge problem. They're addictive. She's 12 years she old. She's like going realize. going into 7th or 8th grade. Wow. 100% yeah. she doesn't realize like what's what it is then. She, I don't think that she can comprehend. Well, I'm not giving her enough credit. She can. She just doesn't understand the consequences. Like, yeah, like she doesn't realize She knows exactly it's bad, but she doesn't know... Why? What the re- the real cost of tobacco is? <laughs> Jesus Christ! That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, the whole jewels is like fascinating to me. How quickly they became so popular. Do you think it's the flavors that do it? Or I do think, think it's, it's the, the ease. I think that it's easy access and it's the appeal of like doing something you're not supposed to. You know. And they made it taste good. Yeah. So it's like fun to do. Yeah. Sneaky. If it were fun to do and tasted bad, I mean, that wouldn't help its popularity. I mean, that's like weed. Yeah, I <laughs> know. I guess. I like weed taste. So I do. I've grown to like it, but you have to admit, once you grown. start... Once you, once you start smoking, you hate the taste of it. You're yeah. like, this is fucking nasty. This is skunk. How do people do this all the time? Skunk in my lungs. And then you get to a point where you do it all the time, and you're like, God, this is so nice. Bring this me that so skunk. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it to me. Bring on the bees. Bring on the bees. Oh. <laughs> I, did I, do we tell that story of Bring on the Bees? Not on a one that we've released yet. Oh, okay. Well, you want to tell it? Or we can just oh, it's your it story. Oh, <laughs> Stevie, my dad is a dentist and Stevie went to him once and were you actually put under? I was put under with laughing gas, but not like anesthesia. Okay, so they didn't do the IV. No. But they gassed. They gassed you! Uh, so my dad gassed Stevie. <laughs> and as you're going out, people tend to say, like, insane. Like, you've seen, like, post-wake up, like, the wisdom teeth videos. But going out, you say crazy shit, too. And you said it on your way out, right? No. So I was put under, kind of. I was gassed. You were gassed. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, like... My eyes are awake the whole time. Your eyes are awake. (laughs) Shut up. My (gasps) eyes are open the whole time. I can see what's going on. I can see them, but it's really, really hazy and really, like, blurry. Okay. So 
I probably look just absolutely blazed out of my mind just sitting in this chair while I have my mouth wide open and they're working on my teeth. And so at one point he goes, all right, you might feel a little bit of a sting here. And in my head without like, I didn't say anything out loud because my mouth is wide open and people are working in it and I'm too gassed to like deal with all that. But in yeah. my head I was like, bring on the bees. <laughs> and then just like that, just as slow like that and everything, that's how I said it in my head. And then I started laughing to myself and kind of doing this in the chair, like where your shoulders <laughs> move up and down. And he was like, oh, did that not hurt? And I went, <laughs> and shook my head no because <laughs> I just started laughing instantly because I realized that I was zooted at that point I was like fuck yeah this laughing gas is so working I love that you're starting to say zooted now I love it oh I got it from my friend who went to school in Florida she said she was she took a gummy and said she was properly zooted so that's how I described them I'm like oh a quarter I'll get you properly zooted <laughs> it's a good phrase it is Alright, you have a story. <gasps> you got a story. I do have a story, but I wanted to tell you one more thing. Okay, yeah, go for it. We can cut something else. Um, but I went to Cedar Point with some people from an improv troupe I'm in the summer. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. And I told, I think I told you, Mitchell, about how I black out on the Millennium Force. Yes, because I do too. You do too? Okay, so you know how, like, the Millennium Force is the tallest, not the tallest, like, the tallest long roller coaster at Cedar Point. It used to be, like, the greatest coaster in the world, but I still think it is. It's my favorite ride of all time. But it has a giant first peak and then a kind of, like, half the height second peak, but it goes really fast on that second peak, and between the Gs of the transition between, like, the... Huge-ass hills. Yeah, coming down and then starting (laughs) to go up again, I black out there. And it used to be that I'd completely pass out and then come up when we're, like, coming off the second hill, and I told the girl who I was riding with, who it was her birthday, we were there for one of the guy's girlfriend's birthday, to, like, surprise her, like, all your friends are here. It was kind of awkward, because I'm not, like, really her friend, but she's cool, and I like her a lot, and support her, and I love her. Okay. But it was just, like, I'm not as close as everybody yeah. else there, so it was kind of weird. Oh, it was okay. like, oh, and Jody's here, too. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> so we rode together, it was her favorite ride, and I was like, just letting you know, I probably will, like, limp noodle at some point. Like, don't worry, I always wake up before the ride's over. And she was like, okay, like, <laughs> because she's just so bubbly. I love her so much. So we're riding it, and she says, I don't remember this, but after, in that spot I just described to you between the first and second hill, she says, I looked at her as we were going up the second hill really fast and said, oh, shit. And then went out. <laughs> and, and I remember passing out this time because I could still hear everything. I have no memory of going, oh, shit. But I remember feeling like I was melting down in my chair and seeing, like, gray light flashing. Like, I was still awake, but I couldn't see anything or control my body. I was still, like, aware of everything, though. And it lasted longer than it ever has before. Did you take edibles? No, I was stone cold sober. Whoa. I know, which is why it freaked me out. It felt like I was on edibles, only blind. Is somebody fucking mowing? Someone's doing some yard work. I'm so sorry. You're gonna hear some yard work. We can't close that window. Fucking neighbors, man. Yeah. Oh well. Maybe Um, it's just weed whacking. But that's insane. Yeah, I just wanted to share that. (laughs) I usually black out right halfway down the first hill and I don't come to until after the tunnel which is after whoa the that's hill. a long time I don't see anything the whole time are you still aware or are you completely like you fainted I don't know because I used to be like that Mitchell what do you think I think you passed out on 
almost every roller coaster you're on. Like, like really full limp noodle pass out, or no, like sometimes like, you'll just like, like you won't be like ragdolling, but like you. So just like a little blackout. Yeah. Yeah. But on like larger steel yeah. coasters, like the Millennium Force, like you kind of. When I was in treatment for eating disorders, there's this thing they called graying out, and I didn't really get it because when I had eating disorders, I was so like malnourished that I would pass out a lot. And that happened to me in marching band once I had my trombone and everything and I passed out on the field. Oh, that wow. was scary. I almost got run over by like a, a line of trumpets. They like piled up. They called the EMS for me because the band director, what I told my teachers that I was in treatment for was like, oh, it was, you know, something with my heart instead of being like, I have really severe eating disorders. Because a lot of the testing was the same. They had yeah. to do stuff with my heart so it wasn't a full lie, but it was easier to explain. Yeah. And they would treat you different. So I told my band director that. So he thought that my heart stopped when I passed out on the field. <laughs> and he called the EMS. And so, like, two ambulances, a fire truck, and, like, four police cars pulled up because our high school is right next to the police oh, station. Man. So they just all came. And they put me on the backboard and the stretcher and the neck brace and fucking wheeled me out of the stadium while the, in front of the whole marching band. It wasn't a game. It was just practice. But it was still humiliating. And while it's going on, my parents came out, like, onto the bleachers, and the bleachers are, like, a six-foot drop to the track. Well, probably just frighten them. Well, they didn't know. Someone said, is that Jody on the ground? And my mom was like, what? My dad turns and takes off sprinting to get to me. But he, in his, like, tunnel vision, he forgets that there's, like, a seven-foot drop. So he fucking herkies, like, he hurdles over that fence, dentist dad, here he comes, and then just drops. He's on the ground, he hurt his ankle, he's like rolling back and forth, and my mom is like hustling down the steps of the bleachers and running on the field, my dad gets up and is like, and I'm fucking passed out, and everyone's watching, oh my god. As we were walking out, my parents were by the stretcher, one of the band dads was like, talking to my mom, and he's like, have the paramedics check your husband's ankles, because <laughs> he yeeted himself over that fence. <laughs> blackout like that I never knew what gray outs were until the millennium force because you're like aware and everything but you're not in control like you aren't black but like literally everything you see is just like variations of gray you can't even see shapes it's just like gray light and I think that's what a gray out is <laughs> mine's full on black yeah that's what I think so you like black out wow <laughs> so that's a good story yeah I'm glad you guys know that because I feel like that that marching man story is critical to my character and who I am today. That's like, that's, very funny. that's my life in a nutshell. I mean, not the fact that she ended up passing out that it's funny, but the whole, it was just a whole clusterfuck. The whole, everything that happened after. And it was like, that would not happen to anyone else besides I... me. Like, that is just, that's a Jody move. Here, would you like this? I would love this. Come here, Pascal. I'll take our beautiful green man. Beautiful green smoking apparatus. Apparatus. So. Now I'll tell you my story. Yes, fuck yeah. Okay, what is the topic of your story? Like, serial no. killer? <gasps> okay. <laughs> I'm really excited. <laughs> this is one that I didn't really know before. I was listening to this podcast about, like, a missing child. It was a whole series called In the Dark. And it was about a missing child and how the investigation got so fucked up. It was mostly oh, wow. looking at the investigation, which was insane. I would highly recommend that. In the Dark, really good podcast. The whole first season is on the Jacob Wetterling case. Have you ever seen The Changeling? No. Highly recommend. 
What's the movie with the CGI? The Water Horse. Have you ever seen The Water Horse? No, why? <laughs> just, just wondering. It's not fucking related at all. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine the changeling as being like a creature as... Oh, no. It has Angelina Jolie in it. Have you ever heard of the chicken coop murders? I've heard of, um... Um, Chicken Run. <laughs> God damn it, Jody. No. The water horse. <laughs> yeah. Are you fucking looking at the water horse? Yes, I need me? you to see him. <laughs> I'm talking about something that's dead ass sad. And looking at <laughs> the changeling. You're telling me about the changeling. It's t- it's terrible. It's so sad. But that's oh, am I gonna feel like an asshole? Probably. Wait. So serial killers <laughs> made you think? Okay. Um. No. You said. Something that made me think of it. <laughs> this is just fucked. Are you looking up the water horse too? <laughs> Mitchell looked it up. <laughs> oh, so it's Loch Ness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, the baby water horse He's is so, so cute. cute. I used to make my high school boyfriend watch the water horse. One time I saw the water horse, I think like four times in one week. Like, I was a fucking nut. <laughs> I just love that shit. Oh, that was when I was really depressed. I was like, water hoops will make me feel better. <laughs> Such bad CGI. I know! That's why I liked it so much. Oh, it's iconic. And then do you know uh, Chicken Run? Yes, I know Chicken Run. The claymation chicken? <laughs> yeah. So that, in my head, that's what you're talking about. But you're not. You're talking about the changeling and <laughs> chicken coop. <laughs> At least I think that's what this is. Hold on. Let me see. Maybe not. No, no, it's not. Hold on. What is, oh, God, what is this one called? It's called, um, it's not The Changeling. I mixed it up really bad. Uh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's, hold on, it has Angelina Jolie in it. Um. It's really good. No, that's Scarlett Johansson. Never mind. Oh, Angelina Jolie, is she the one from The Blind Side? Oh, it's just called Changeling. Okay, I'm not wrong. <laughs> oh, There's my God. Some- chance to expose corruption in Los Angeles Police Department, but she ends up, it's just sad. I'm not going to tell you the rest of it if you haven't seen it. Really, really good acting. It's a good movie. It's just sad. But... It sounds just like The Water Horse. It's really good. It's just sad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great acting. Good and sad. Okay. What is your story? (laughs) You ready? week. I'm so ready. Let me resituate myself real quick because I'm just like sticky. Get all your noises out everybody. Uh, okay. Adjustment. My laptop is water. hot right now so I'm gonna 
pick this there you go. off my facts. Okay. <clears throat> so, as I was saying, I was listening to a podcast about a missing boy and how the investigation got fucked. Remember? You're back. Now do you understand why I brought that up? Yes. Okay. Go. <laughs> I am so sorry about my tangent. That was top ten the worst series of things I've ever said in my life. So funny. It probably was I'm entertaining. Are you keeping that? Okay, great. I can't wait to hear that when I'm not lit. <sighs> so this guy they thought was connected to the case. It's in the same jurisdiction that this huge massively horrible case happened with the missing boy so it's the same people handling it that were not good so the investigation that we're gonna look at that too but first we're gonna focus on the guy what he did and then we're gonna get to how he should have been caught so much earlier and would have prevented what he's done are you ready fucking ready and this takes place in minnesota in like well it it goes on for a long time because it took them so long but this is Joseph Ture or Turi? I'm not sure. Joseph Turi? Well, how do we want to say it? Ture or Turi? Ture. How's it spelled? T-U-R-E. Tur? It's spelled like Tur, but I swear to God, if it's pronounced Tur, I'm quitting everything. I promise it was not Tur. They had a whole episode Ture. about him, and it was... Let's let's go with Ture. Then. Ture? Yeah. Ture. My name's Ture. I got a basketball game tomorrow. Do you know that one? Uh-uh. Never mind. Okay, so Joseph Duray Jr. was born um, in February 1951. So we're, like, back at the time of the thing. And he grew up around St. Paul, Minnesota. His parents divorced when he was 10, which in, like, 61. That's rare. Think about how popular divorce was. Not how popular. How common. That's what I meant. Yeah. And so he, it must have been really bad because he ended up in an orphanage and a reformatory. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. And he didn't get along, the reason why he, like, got sent off places was he didn't get along with his new stepmom, and his biological mom was deemed unable to look after him by the state. Um, so he joined the Marines at, like, 18 or 19, but he only lasted six months there. It didn't say why he left or if he chose to or if he was ejected. Yeah. Um, and then he worked, like, a bunch of jobs around St. Paul but couldn't hold one for very long, and those jobs included, like, the Ford plant and junkyards car dealerships, he was a mechanic at various, um, places, and he sometimes lived in his car, and he talks about himself a lot in the sources that I used, because he's the type of person that, you like, you get him on the phone, he just loves to talk, mm. you know, like, if you saw Mindhunter, I wish you were watching Mindhunter with me, I was watching that a lot this weekend. Didn't Ted Bundy like to talk about himself yeah, a lot? Yeah, it's kind of like that. I heard recordings of him on the phone, and that's kind of how it sounds, that he's just, like, enjoying the attention and talking about you know, he has a very skewed view of himself. Like, Ted said he was a normal kid, but other people said he was a loner and weird. It's kind of like this. Yeah. Um, so he describes himself as a truth teller, saying, I call a spade a spade. I had a lot of problems with some women because I tell them where it's at. If I don't like someone, I don't beat around the bush. That's a quote. Oh, shit. Okay. So, let's see here. Born in 51. This is 1973 now. This is the first of his known crimes that we, like... He's either been... I think this is the first of the one he's been convicted of. Just kidding. He wasn't convicted for this one. This is the first alleged one. At 73, here we are. We're at 1973. A woman named LaVon was uh, working as a waitress in Hudson, Wisconsin, and she served a customer who seemed really off that night. And this is, like, late at, like, a bus stop-type diner. And so after her shift, she began walking home, 
and a man jumped out of the lilac bushes, which is such a little detail that stuck with me. Like, I can smell them. Yeah. Like, the lilac bushes. And hit her across the head, like, upside the head, with a 12-pack of beer. She was, like, bitch-slapped with a 12-pack, which, like, that's fucking heavy. That would not feel good. Wow. And knocked her out into the street. And then he was on top of her, and she was able to see him, even though it was very late, and recognized him as the customer that was off. Um, and she realized, like, no one was driving on the street. There was no one who could save her. And she was able to, like, throw him off of her and run. And she reported it instantly, and the Wisconsin cops didn't take her seriously Ugh. and told her to try not to think about it. <gasps> no! And 20 years later, she was watching, like, a show about unsolved... 48 Hours. She was watching 48 Hours. There's an episode about it, which I was just playing a little bit of, trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. We never figured it out. We're going to Ray. Um, but she was watching the 48 Hours, and the face of the customer and attacker came up on the screen, and that's when she first, like, learned his name, so. Whoa. She, like, remembered him, felt a chill, and was like, that's that motherfucker. Holy shit. So that was 73, and he was never convicted for that or anything, because of the way the police handled it. Yeah. And this was not the jurisdiction we're going to talk about, this is just a separate I hate incident. hearing those cases that could have been prevented if the cops just took them seriously. Yeah. Me too. Especially, it's it happens a lot with females. Yeah. Which is what really sucks. Yeah, like, oh, you're just hysterical. Like yeah. the Victorian, like the hysterical woman. Like, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're just kind <laughs> of sensitive. It'll be fine. My lady brain just couldn't comprehend. Anyways, so that was the first one that we know was him. Got it. This next one, that was in 73. This is December 15th, 1978. And this is near Clearwater, Minnesota, which is in Stearns County. The sheriff of Stearns County is the one that, like, their office doesn't... It has a bad rep with unsolved crimes and murders and violent things and, and fucked up investigations. Um, so there's a woman who lives there with four children. She's recently divorced. Her name is Alice Hewling. And very early... In the morning on the 15th, Alice and three of her four kids were murdered in their beds. It gets really heavy here and kind of like, like, I have the play-by-play -play <laughs> because okay. of the surviving boy. Do you want it? Yeah. Okay. So they lived in a farmhouse. Alice was 36. Her kids were Susie, who worked part-time as a waitress. Um, real quick, what yes. month was this in? December. Okay, so wintertime. Got it. 78. 78. Okay. And kind of like a rural-ish Yeah, Minnesota. farmhouse sort of deal. Yeah. Got it. So the nearest neighbor is a couple miles away. Yeah. So Alice is 36. She has four kids. Susie is 16. She works part-time as a waitress at the Cozy Cafe downtown. Hello. I know. Waitress, waitress. Ding, ding, ding. Um, Wayne, <laughs> who's 13, Patty's 12, and Billy was 11 at the time. So this story that I'm about to tell you is pieced together from Billy's testimony at the trial 22 laters and 22 years later 22 wow. laters 22, 22 years, years later <laughs> late years later um, in the initial police reports we can piece together a, a rough picture of what happened and this is it so a man enters the house and cuts the phone lines and attacks Alice who's the mom. He, and she lived downstairs. The other kids, or all the kids, had their bedrooms upstairs. He hit her with a heavy object, and in parentheses with a question mark, it says club, and then, and shot her. Alice's room was on the lower level, her kids were upstairs. Billy heard the killer coming up the stairs, and Billy's the youngest one, the 11-year-old, and then he saw a man's shadow in the door of the bedroom he shared with his brother, Wayne, who 
was 13 and Wayne said who are you and the person standing in the doorway raised a shotgun from his side and shot Wayne <gasps> Billy got scared and pulled the covers over his head and just like laid still he heard the killer's footsteps turn and go toward his older sister Susan Susie's room it's a 16 year old yeah and he heard the pumping of the shotgun his sister screaming and another shot and I told you this was bad um and then the shotgun pumped again, and the person said, it's okay, go back to sleep, to Patty, who's 12, like, get back in bed, and another shot. And then the killer came back into the brother's room for Billy, like, he didn't forget about him, and one shot flew by his ear, he laid as still as possible, and the guy walked over to the bed, and the shotgun barrel, like, poked his stomach to try to see if he was still alive. And he tried to still stay as possible, stay as still as possible. Sorry, I'm toasted. And then he heard the pumping again. Could you fucking imagine? No. You just it went into your pillow, and then you hear it again. Um, and then another shot. And this shot was so close to his head that he had temporary deafness. And then the killer poked his tummy again. And then the footsteps went down the stairs, and the killer left. So Billy got out of bed after a long time, saw that everybody in his house was dead, and then had to run miles in the snow to the neighbor's house <gasps> to call for help. Oh, this poor kid. 11 years old. Wow. So now we're into the first investigation. So at that time, Joseph Ture was 27 years old. Okay. And um, Jim Kastriba was the first officer. He was deputy at the time on the scene of the, the family's house. And he remembers the way the house smelled like gunpowder from the shots. Like, Creepy. he later became the sheriff of the county during the other case that I kind of mentioned. And he, when he got there, he, like, secured the scene and waited for investigators to arrive. So EMTs are the first to arrive after the deputy. And they're there to take the bodies to the coroner. But first, the investigators have to, like, take pictures and do their analysis of the scene before you can remove the bodies. Um... And in some of these pictures that I mentioned, you can see, like, the kids' toy cars, like, little matchbox, like, hot wheel cars scattered on the ground, mm -hmm. which is just, like, an eerie detail. Um, and the EMT noticed the investigators doing, like, shady things that are, like, you know, not protocol. In court, he says he saw a state investigator, not a sheriff one, um, pick up a phone in the house before he dusted for fingerprints. And when <sighs> the county sheriff captain noticed the mistake, he just said, oh, well. Like, they didn't do anything. Stop. Which, I don't know what you could do at that point, but he just, like, didn't, you know. The reaction was off. And then the EMT waited outside until they finished. And he saw the sheriff come out of the house holding what looked like the flashlight that was on the kitchen table. And it was used to search the woods nearby. A bad person. And um, the flashlight, they don't know if it belonged to the family or not. It could have been left behind by the killer. And it wasn't entered into evidence. But, like, they could have had his prints there, you know? Like, yeah. if he left in a rush or something. That's fucked up. And so that was, they had, like, no leads. Like, that was pretty much it. And police gave citizens the following advice. Like, they, it was so insane. Like, kids, people were arming their kids, and men were staying home from work to protect their families. Because wow. it was just, like, out of nowhere, a whole family yeah. gets murdered. So police gave citizens the following advice. If you have to shoot someone outside, drag them in, because it's legal to shoot someone if they're in your house and then if you shoot a warning shot in the wall around them it's a good idea too so that like you don't get in trouble wow so it's like self-defense like oh i shot a warning shot but you shot it there after you killed the person so they were that's the kind of like advice and um 
four days later. So you could just kill anybody and do all that stuff and then be like, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mary. While this is going on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's awful. Yeah, and, and one of the guys said, when he was asked, you know, what was the environment in your town like during this brief period, and he said, I, let's just put it this way, I wouldn't want to have my car break down at night and have to go to one of my neighbor's front doors for help. Because <laughs> people, like, angled their chairs and had their shotguns there by the door and just waited. Oh, my God. Right? So four days later in one county over, our man, Joseph Ture Jr., stopped at a truck stop slash restaurant for food, and he's, like, hassling the waitresses trying to get dates, and he was a regular there, like, that was his thing. Alice Hewling, the mom, would go there for coffee sometimes. And I don't know what cafe this is, what truck stop restaurant this is. It could be the one that Susie worked at, but I'm not positive. Mm, okay. That yeah. could come into play later. But Alice Hewling, for sure, had been there sometimes because she's a, um, a regular for coffee. Yeah. I don't know if they knew each other there. From what it seems, they didn't, but they might have, like, he might have seen her. Or you'll see about the waitresses. This is why I think that Susie... Might have worked there. Um, but this Turi was there so much because he had been living in his car, so everything he ate he had to like eat out, so he was there a lot. Um, and in the weeks leading up to the murders, <laughs> murders, waitresses began complaining about him, harassing them, and sometimes following them in his car as they drive home late at night after work. Uh -uh. Um, so he was like hassling them again, and the cops are called, and a Stearns County deputy stops by. He notices the car Turi's driving and thinks it is stolen, so they arrest him. It turns out the car wasn't stolen, but it was really, like, the contents of it that caught his eye. Like, he knew the car wasn't stolen, but he was like, oh, your car's stolen, and arrested him so that they could get him into custody and question him about the contents of the car, which I thought was, like, really smart. Yeah. Be like, oh, the it was slang. a mistake. And, like, right? I was impressed with that. Oh, the lawnmower. I know. Anyways... Hey, motherfucking mama. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I've yelled at a squirrel that way before. Totally unprovoked. Um, anyways, here's the stuff that he saw and, and that they went through and found in the car. There's a small brown diary, like a moleskin notebook, with a list of waitress names, their addresses, and their car license plate numbers. No, no. So that's one thing in his It's only car. one? Holy fuck. Okay. There are four things. Um, a ski mask. Spooky. But also, we're in Minnesota, and it's, like, December 21st or something. That could, okay, okay. But the first one is... So, a, a homemade metal club, which is a metal rod with a steering wheel cover wrapped around the bottom of it. It's, like, a handle. Right? Uh, first, I heard metal club, and I was like, okay, it could have been, like, a tire iron. But yeah. then they described it, and it made my stomach drop. It's, <clears throat> like, so gross. Yeah. Like, like, oh, God. Predetermined, like, you know... Or premeditated, not predetermined. And the fourth thing they found was um, a little toy Batmobile. And cops linked this instantly to the Hewling murders. Because, you know, those little cars that they found. This Batmobile was about the same style. So now Hewling's a suspect. He was just getting taken because, like, cars stolen and harassing waitresses. But now they linked the two. And um, I'm going to play a bit of a recording of him questioning, being questioned. Are you okay? Yeah. No, I just have really bad bug bites. Oh, you're trying not to itch? Yeah. Bugs love me this summer, man. Okay, so remember that deputy who was the first on the scene? Yes. He comes back. He's now an investigator on this case. 
Um, so Kastriba was his name, Jim Kastriba, I think, and another cop are interrogating him. And he instantly, as soon as they send down, says, starts saying that he didn't rape anyone, and just because he had their information doesn't mean he was, like, raping and killing the waitresses. And no one insinuated that at all. He was supposed to be there about his car. And he's instantly like, I never raped anybody. So, like, that doesn't look good. What? Right? Yeah. Unprompted like that is not... Yeah, no. It's usually not a good sign. Yeah, like, something's on his mind. Um, and then they question him about the contents of the car. And he... They asked him about the club, and he was like, I found that. And then he gave a really confusing response about the Batmobile that I'm going to play for you. And just keep in mind while you're listening to this, he's 27 years old. So, like, he... You don't find a club like that, though. That is, like, some yeah. special handmade shit. And like, if you that's... did find it, why would you take it? Why would you want that? Yeah. And keep it in your car? That's weird. Like, what's the purpose? Why would you take that or make it? Ugh. I. It's not so much where he got it, but the fact that he has it is what's super concerning. Yeah. And that that's the way he plays it. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. So this is Joe Ture being interviewed about the Batmobile. And the other detective who's questioning him is Ross Baker. And I noticed a little toy or thing with Batman. Was that in the car when you got it too? Or do you recall where that might have come from? It's mine. I can't grant kids. Well, you have grandkids? Your daughter does. Uncle, whatever. Well, if your daughter has children, well, then you'd be your granddaughter then. How old are you? No, I mean, my, my sister. Oh, your uncle. Yeah. Your, your uncle's children, and they would be, what, they wouldn't be your grandchildren, or wouldn't be his I'm grand. the uncle. My sister's got kids, I'm the uncle, right? Oh, I see. Okay. And you were around him after you picked up this car here? Well, that a difference that a couple of boys make? Well, it might make a lot of difference. You never know. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you know where that one come from. If it was in the car or, or not. So he doesn't give a straight answer and then he refuses to talk about it. It makes a huge fucking difference. Oh my god. And who knows that? You can't know? be a grandfather at 27. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting. He says, his grandkids, oh, you have grandkids? No, my daughter does. So then he's a great-grandfather, and then he's like, they're my sister's grandkids, my sister's kids. I'm the uncle! <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck? There's so many. Who are you? What is happening? Excuse me, Joseph, what the fuck? So, um, the other things that they questioned him about was whether or not he had a gun. Because the family's killed by gun. He yeah. refuses to answer that. And they asked him about his whereabouts um, Thursday night and Friday morning when the murders were committed. And um, he's evasive, and they call him out on that. They're like, you're being quite evasive about your answer. And he says, you know, I am. I am being an intentionally evasive about my answer. Like, he says that. So he's kind of all off, right? <laughs> Stevie has thoughts. And the questioning went really well until they mentioned the toy car, and he got, like, cagey. Which you heard that moment. Mm. Um, so he stayed in jail for a few days while the officers, like, tore apart. They took out the seats and the door panels from the car looking for a gun, and they couldn't find any. Um, 
and they looked at his job and his time card did not provide an alibi. So they had to let him go. And then they questioned him again, asking him about the murders directly, and he had a ton of questions for them. Like, they asked him about the murder, and then he started asking them, what evidence do you have? Did, they, did you find the gun? Um, did anyone identify me as the murderer? And, uh, oh, shit. Yeah! So there was one really important thing that the officers didn't do, and that was, like, take the Batmobile to Billy and say, is this your toy? Yeah. And then go search the house and see if they're missing it. Yeah. That would have put it together so easily and would have, like, you know... And it seems pretty obvious... And, um, the reporter talked to Castrivo about that and says he often thinks about why he didn't do this and acknowledges that he made a mistake and mistakes should be learned from, but what disturbed him was the sheriff's office never had any, like, review or training about the mistake and how to, like, move on for it. And so they let Joseph go because there was no evidence on him. Those questions were as he was leaving. And after they let him go, he went on a huge murdering and rape spree. <gasps> It set him off, and he snapped. Even though they, like, had him. Like, if they just took that toy and asked, they had him. Holy shit. So now we're going back into the crimes. What do you think so far? I just, like, he doesn't appear to be a very mastermind. No, and I'll show you his criminal, picture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to me how they literally could just let him. Yeah. Because he doesn't seem to be answering things very well. No, he wasn't a genius. He wasn't smooth. He's almost incriminating himself. So I yeah. feel like if they would have just pressed a little bit more, they could have cracked him. Uh, yeah. So here we go. After his brief stay in jail, he went on a murder and rape spree. The first thing he did um, that we have record of is he broke into a house and killed a teenage girl who was home alone. Her name was Marley's? Marlis? Marlis? Wollenhouse. Wollenhouse. Um, and he killed her by bludgeoning her in 79. He said she worked at a restaurant and that he knew her. She was a waitress there. I know. And he wanted to date her. So he had gone home and wanted to talk to her. And she wasn't home. She was, I assume, at work. Um, and he was in the house waiting in the basement for her when she came home. And when they did, they argued. And then his statement to wrap up that story was, I killed her. <gasps> like, he just, like, straight up just said it. And then he kidnapped a 19-year-old waitress. I forget how old Wallenhouse was. I thought she was 16, but I might be wrong. Anyways, um, he, he kidnapped a 19-year-old waitress, Diane Edwards, from the side of a road in uh, West St. Paul, so he's still in the St. Paul, Minnesota area, drove her to a remote place, and then raped and killed her a year later in 80. Um, wow. And she was walking home from work as a waitress uh, from Perkins. And then he started doing this thing where he'd drive around Minneapolis late at night looking for women out alone, and he grabbed at least two off the street there and raped them. Um, he kidnapped and raped a 13-year-old. He tried to kidnap at least two women, who I think are from the streets of Minneapolis, that got away. One escaped by smashing a lit cigarette into his face. Smart. And the other escaped by screaming and fighting initially, and then she suddenly just stopped fighting, like she went limp. And he immediately stopped, looked at her, like got up and walked away. Like, he was just, like, lost interest, because she, like, stopped fighting, which... That's genius. Interesting, right? That's genius of her to think of that as an alternative. To just try it. Route. Yeah. Because a lot of the times, they like that. The struggle. struggle. Yeah. Yeah, that is 
terribly, but it's the turn on for them. So for her to just be like taking it away from him, like the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. So he kept doing things like this until 1980 when he was uh, arrested by the Minneapolis police. So they got him for several rapes, like it was a rape, and not for the murders. And while in custody, he was charged with murdering the waitress, Diane Edwards, from West St. Paul. And he received a life sentence for this crime. <clears throat> and was, he was in prison for this murder when he confessed to a cellmate that he killed Nolan House, which was the girl who's home alone. And this was like a really spotty confession because it was from one inmate to another. And he refutes that and says that he was like strung along and that the inmate made things up. Hmm. It was something interesting. Yeah. Like that. Like, he was like, I never said that, or I wasn't confessing, I was just talking. It was something weird like that. So he said, he said, said. Yeah, exactly. And, um, at the time of the Wollenhaus murders, he was working at the Ford plant as, like, a assembler mechanic, and they believed his alibi that he was at work until they took a closer look. And remember that he's Joseph Turi Jr.? The Joseph Turi who was working that day that they have record of was Joseph Turi Sr., his father. His dad. And, oh, but they just shit. saw Joseph Turi was at work, and they were like, dope, check, check it off and move on. That's his alibi. He didn't do it. But then they looked closer and realized. Wow. <laughs> so they got him for that one, too. And then the state of Minnesota cold case unit took on the healing case and found Billy, who's the surviving child, um, who was grown. Now he has his own family. And they called him, and he was told that they have some evidence. I know, lawnmower. They said, we have some evidence we want you to look at that might help solve the case. And he replied, unprompted and, like, out of the blue, did you guys find my Batmobile? Stop. And it was not known. that Like, that wasn't a thing. That was him. Like, the thing an 11-year-old boy remembers from that. He didn't get his Batmobile back. Stop. That's so creepy. And uh, the case was quickly built around the exact same evidence that Stearns County had 20 years ago. Uh, the bar, like, the club, and the Batmobile. Because remember, the mom was initially hit with it's something. A club, yeah. A club. And uh, after 20 years from that crime in 2000, and he had committed two more murders at least, and at least three more sexual assaults, a jury convicted Terry of the Hewling murders. His exact number of victims is unknown, and his sentencing is four consecutive life sentences, so they aren't like being served at the same time. None of that bullshit. And in June of 2004, his last chance to appeal for a new trial for the Hewling case, the four consecutive sentences was denied and he has no appeals left in any of the other cases either so he's but like yes he's done he's done he <laughs> sit down sir you're finished and this is what he looks like he's probably not being treated well in jail though to be quite honest if he was raping women of that young 13 yeah and here's what he looked like at the time of the healing murders <gasps> oh okay not what you expected right here no. you go Mitchell Okay, so this guy kind of has, we'll put him up on our social media. Paint a word picture. But think of 70s, he's got ginger blonde hair, he's got the really deep 70s sideburns that go down to his jawline. Those are mutton chops, right? Yes. He's got like some ginger blonde mutton chops. Yeah, really kind of almost soulless brown eyes. Yeah. A little bit of a bigger nose, a little bit bigger mouth. He's white, he has reddish (laughs) hair. I don't know, he, looks, he just looks really average. Just like he does look very average, average guy, but something's the, off, and you look at his face. Yes, it's his eyes. Yeah, so we'll post that to our social media. Um, wow. Yeah, and let me go over my sources really quick. It was in the Dark Podcast, season one, episode seven was all about him. 
Um, and that's a podcast by APM Reports. There's a really good article out there, Murderpedia, and then a, like a CBS article. And that's the story of Joseph Turay, or, or Turi. I'm not, <laughs> not exactly. We'll figure it out. Sure, how to say it? We'll, we'll update you. Um, I'm was, really excited about the next story I'm working on for you. Yeah. I wanted to try to switch it out and do it today, but I couldn't. I couldn't get it done in time before you guys came home, but I'm excited. Good. I, I'm trying to find my next one. I'm a little stuck again, but okay. I'll find it. Mine's veering more true crimey again. Just, just a heads up. Um, I really want to do, um, <clears throat> alien, UFO, ghost sort of deal. I love those because there's, like, room to debate. Yes. Where is Pascal? Oh, there oh, he is. there he is. But that was so, that was so good, Jody. Thank what you for that. Name? That was amazing. I, it really frustrates me, kind of like every other 60s and 70s cases, that it was just overlooked heavily, and it, a lot of things that should have been done weren't done, you know. You hear about that a lot in those, those time periods. Yeah, even nowadays still. Yeah. Like, the dismissiveness of authorities towards victims yes. is really upsetting just in general, regardless of the crime. But that's crazy to me that they didn't, weren't able to charge him until, like, 20 years after. Like, this guy... Off the same guy, evidence. He's just like, yeah, who's living his life and trying to get over what happened to him? And then they show up and they try to... They're like, guess what? We're gonna go to court now over it. Are you ready? Guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> he's, like, all this time, you know? But it probably felt good to him that they caught him. Yeah, I wonder if he had any... Well, that's the thing. I don't know if he had any guilt or, like, remorse about what he did. Well, I bet he was just, you like... You think it was, like, a relief? In a weird kind way? Kind of, yeah, because justification. Justification? Like, recognition? Just, like, you're paying for something that you've done. Got you. That's what I'm trying to say. I really like... He feels justified by it. The way that he got caught by, like, um... You've read stuff about, like, the Golden State Killer, right? Don't kill me, but no. I That's okay. I wanted to get into it, but read, I want to um, do it, and, like, I'm trying to find the best way to. Does that make sense? I'll recommend a book to you. I think it's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. It's a really... They talk Is about that, it on um, my favorite murder. Is Patton Oswalt's yes. wife? Yes. Yeah, I almost bought that. It's an I incredible it in book. Hands, and then I was like, uh, I'm going to wait and buy this next paycheck and put it back, but yeah. You would be crazy for it. It's really good. Um, you should get into that, because it talks a lot about the different trophies that he took, and one really? of the trophies that... Turi took was the Batmobile, and that was, like, the missing link. And, and, like, taking trophies is such, like, a little niche thing that serial killers, murderers, and, like, rapists do. Yeah. Like, there was a, a girl who went missing decades ago in the city next to mine, and one of the key things in her investigation is one of her earrings was not on her body. Like, they took one of her earrings as a trophy. Interesting. Or so they think. Yeah. So they are like, trying to track down that earring. Or, like, those cufflinks that were taken or something like that. Yeah. And just that that led to his downfall. That's hard to find, though. It was really interesting. Yeah, that's what makes it so hard. They talk about that in um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. But you would love that book. If you guys enjoy true crime at all, I would highly recommend I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I forget. What is the author's name? I can't remember. Stevie's looking it up. Oh, Mitchell's looking it up. Fuck yeah, Mitchell, get it. So I'll Be Gone oh, in the Dark or I'll Be Gone in the Shadows? Do you remember? I'm so, I think it's I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I'm so sorry for everybody who's listening and my annoying neighbors lawn mowing They right now. literally never do any lawn care. Never. <laughs> <laughs> sit down and here they of are. Of course. Uh, Michelle, yeah, Michelle McNamara. Yes. Uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. 
Yeah, it's insane. It's a really good story. Well, like, it, like her life's work. Basically. Yeah, it was. It was like her obsessive, one woman's obsessive hunt for the Golden State Killer. That's crazy. And you learn a lot about the case too. It's really cool. Do you have anything else to add? I don't have anything. No, it was super good story. Really well researched. Um, guy's a fucking monster. Yeah. But he's like gone for good. Did you see that they just um, reinstated the death penalty? In Ohio? Nationally, I think. The federal. It's federal. Whoa. If you're on federal death row, they're starting it up again. Like the program. Wow, I didn't know that. No. I'm pretty sure it's just federal, it's not any of, like, the state crimes, but, like, I don't know. Uh, what do you think about that? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough, it, it's a tough scenario because there are, in many ways, people who deservingly are on death row because they did some heinous murder or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that to get them there. So in that sort of scenario, I'm kind of for it. Yeah. But in other scenarios, if... Why is he running over? It's other... probably just like my car. Like the yeah. bumpers. But in another scenario, there are sometimes those cases that are solved, but not with the right people. They're incriminating the wrong people. Scapegoat. Yeah. And those are what I feel iffy about. That's you what you're worried about. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But if they did all of those heinous acts to get them in there, then, like, I'm sorry, I really don't feel that bad about them being on the throat. I know what you mean. I would be worried about, like, wrongful executions. It yes. just happened. Yeah. That doesn't, that's not cool. But if they're actually, actually guilty, mm -hmm. and they do a certain amount of fucked up shit, I agree with you. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like, it's no real loss. Because at, at a certain point, I believe that you're past the point of, like, being the you know, ability to be rehabilitated yeah. and a um, functioning member of society. Absolutely. At yeah. that point, then it's like, how valuable is your life? Which is fucked up to say, but... But all when all you do is go out and just kill people merc yeah. merciful... Mercilessly. Mercilessly, yes. When you go out and kill people mercilessly, that's... <laughs> sorry. speech impediment. I can't do these sorry, words. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're fine. Um... When they go out and do this without feeling a thing in their body. No remorse. <laughs> no remorse. No regrets. No pity. Yeah, there's just no way that they feel any sort of... Fuck, now I lost Guilt? my thought. Yeah. God damn it. I quiet. think, for me, it's like a balance of what they take versus what they give. And they've already taken a bunch of lives, and now they're just taking resources. And what are they giving back? You know, it's like a balance, checks and balance. Yeah, but I That's, also feel like some people are just absolute monsters. Yeah. And they just and don't it, deserve the same things as everybody else because they are mm, absolute monsters. Okay. Regardless of, I mean, well, yeah. And also they need to, there needs to be some sort of way where they realize what they're doing is not okay and they're taking loved ones from people and causing these people severe, severe trauma that they have to carry around the rest of their life. Yeah. Like, they're damaging people's lives, and that's Speaking of that, okay. I'm so excited for my story for next time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I know you've never heard of it. I'm Actually, you might have. Probably not. Hmm. 
We'll find out. I hope not. I guess. Okay, do you have anything else? I don't have anything else. That was awesome. I don't Thanks, have anything Trudy. else. Mitchell, do you have anything? Nope. All right. Okay, then. We're all wrapped up. Oh, this has been To Be Blunt, and we're going to smoke you out. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and joining us on another episode. Bye. Bye. Peace out.